is up, guys? Welcome to the special episode of What Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to pairing wine football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me are my two great co-hosts, Ralph Hanna and Maria Britos. And today, we're previewing the second game for Paraguay in the 2026 World Cup qualifiers as they travel all the way to Venezuela to face off in this match on Tuesday. And what better way to have this kind of opinion, this preview, is Jordan Thorit, a footman English, a Venezuelan football expert, someone that has been a good friend of ours who has been on the show beforehand, and, you know, is here to talk about La Vinitinto and to talk about what to expect from them uh, on Tuesday. So, Jordan, first of all, thank you again for, for coming on. And, and I guess for those that probably don't know you or have never listened to the show before, or maybe are trying to remember the last episode that we had you on, can you just a little, can you just explain to yourself, to our listeners, who you are and your connection to Venezuelan soccer? Yeah, sure. So, firstly, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's good to be back uh, with yourself, Ralph and, and Maria. Um, I run, co-run Football English with uh, Dominic Bosonio. Uh, been doing that account now since uh, 2020. And that came off the back of uh, a book I wrote uh, about Venezuela and Venezuelan football. And uh, between the between the book and uh, the social media account and my sort of my growing, growing interest and involvement in Venezuelan football, uh, I ended up moving out to Venezuela uh, to work in the football full time. So I've been here for, for two years now, going into my third year here. And uh, yeah, live and live and breathe Venezuelan football, really. And that's and that's an excellent introduction to go at, Jordan. So let's uh, let's go straight into it because obviously here we are talking a little over twelve hours since the first round of games happened in South America. Obviously, both Paraguay played to a draw and a nil-nil draw to Peru over the Ciudad Este, whereas Venezuela lost narrowly to Colombia in Barranquilla thanks to a Santos Borre goal. I guess first of all, your impressions from that game and and really. What the team needs to do moving forward for this game against Paraguay on Tuesday at the Estadio Monumental in Maturín? Yeah, so I, I I watched it for for myself and from quite a privileged perspective in the fact that I didn't watch it live, which is a rarity for me because uh, I don't tend to, outside of my job, I don't tend to like watching football that isn't live. I, I just, it loses something, it lacks something. Um, but I was playing myself at the same time as the Venezuela game, so I didn't see it live, but I saw the rerun straight after the football um, at the bar we went to, uh, so I mean, obviously I knew the I knew the result. I had the sort of emotional detachment from the from the game, and sort of actually sort of allowed me to watch it in a more you know critical way, if you like. Uh, and to be honest, despite the fact that we lost, uh, I was I wouldn't say I was like impressed with what I saw, but I took sort of like comfort from from what I saw. It it lacked a lot of things. Um, we. We didn't look like a team that's going to like attack this qualification campaign um, ferociously and, and, and on the front foot. But we did look very um, sort of solid and structured in a way that we've we've lacked probably since since Dudamel. Um, and, you know, coincidentally, that was when a lot of Venezuelan football fans sort of started to get bored of the national team, really. Dudamel, Dudamel's football came became a bit stale, despite the fact he got us great results got us the highest we'd ever been in the FIFA World Rankings at 26. Um, but yeah, last night I took I took comfort from the fact that we looked organised and we we looked defensively sturdy. And and if it wasn't for Yangel Herrera and Wilke Angel missing golden opportunities, uh, and I'll talk about how they came about a bit later, uh, you know, it could have it could have been a different result. And ultimately I was also pleased that it was just one nil because uh, as much as I joke in the group that, you know, Venezuela are going to qualify for the World Cup and you know, we're going to batter Paraguay and Peru. 
I was expecting us to um to lose to Colombia uh by by two if not more goals and um you know actually we didn't uh it was a quick goal after the restart and like I said defensively and and organizationally we can take hope that even if we don't qualify for the World Cup, which I, I genuinely believe we have a chance to, we can certainly do better than, than finishing bottom of the pack like we did for 22. Awesome. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us again. And uh, my question would be sort of like, you know, um, Paraguay and Venezuela have had like um, sort of like, a, um, you know, a bad blood a little bit because I feel like last time, that we had um, uh, an important encounter. Uh, you know, Venezuela uh, disqualified us from going to the World Cup. So I think that there's, you know, that that still negativity uh, from Paraguay every time that we play against Venezuela. How do you see them going against Paraguay this time around? Um, you know, obviously it's just the first round of 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 the qualifiers, but you know, the the there there's always that pressure of, of 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 playing well against uh, uh Paraguay how do you think that this time around will be I think where is the the opening home game for us in the in the qualification and and one that we well one that seems more winnable than than other opponents like Brazil or, or Argentina or, or Uruguay we're gonna be playing for the three points I fully expect we're playing at a stadium that hasn't hosted the national team for a a little while, a few years, and it's a stadium that's uh is big, it's imposing, and and they should sell out or get close to selling out. Um, it had a very high attendance earlier in the season for Monagas against Boca Juniors in the Copa Libertadores. Monagas itself have a good fan base. We know that a few of the the batters in Venezuela um are going to be going in attendance and not necessarily cooperatively, but like in unison. So there there should be a good atmosphere um for the game. Uh, but in terms of like the bad blood, I think that's something that, you know, you guys are going to feel um, a lot more than than us. I don't think Venezuelan fans are going to attach any more importance to this game other than starting off with with three points in terms of, of home fixtures. Um, and I was I, the, the insight I've actually got from this game uh, came primarily from Ralph last week when he asked me uh, a question about how we Venezuela have been getting their goals in in recent times, um, and again, I you know I'll probably talk about that with with Ralph, and um, and also I saw yesterday or the day before the a statistical model based on on where you know uh, th this um, this model saw the clubs finishing in qualification that they they only had Paraguay like um, my just only marginally above Venezuela they had like Venezuela eighth and Paraguay seventh which I was quite surprised about because although I can't remember exactly where I, I predicted Paraguay to finish in the in the group chat with with Roberto, uh, but I, I think Paraguay in general are going to have a good campaign. I, I only have some confidence for this game because it's our opening home game um, and there's going to be a, you know, a good attendance. Whereas on the end of the 22 campaign, I went to the final two or three home games that Venezuela played, the first one being Argentina. And the last one being Ecuador. And the Federation were literally giving away tickets for free to get people to go to that game against Ecuador. It was at the weekend. It was like torrential rain. But they were giving away the tickets like a day before, two days before the week running up. Um, I have a very different feeling about the first game of, of, of this campaign. And like I said, I, it's almost irrelevant that, that we're playing Paraguay. It's, it's more about it being the first game, first home game and 
big expectations. Venezuelan football feeling like it's in a in a good moment at the moment. Is it is worth mentioning the game being in Maturin is of course where Paraguay suffered a six 0 defeat to Mexico back in the two thousand seven. Copa America, so the the one where Aldo Bovedia gets sent off very early, so we have to bring in uh, Joel Zayas as a goalkeeper, and then we we kind of capitulated. So I don't know if Venezuela did that on purpose to take Paraguay back to, <laughs> to one of their worst ever defeats, but you never know. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jordan, I had a couple of questions. I guess the first one is, yeah, we talked about this recently, is Paraguay has really suffered a lot from, from set pieces. In last night, we actually saw it on the other side that they had 11 corners and they couldn't score from set pieces. So, so Paraguay really seems to be struggling with this for whatever reason, tactically, even though maybe they seem they would arguably have the players for it, especially someone like Gustavo Gomez. Um, in, in the case of Venezuela, do you think they're going to look to set pieces to target Paraguay? And with that in mind, I saw last night somebody like John Chancellor was on the bench. Do you think maybe we'll see some change in selection? Due to that, yeah, Chancellor was on the bench and and Villanueva is too uh, was too, and you know there there are I think there are two taller centre backs that they're, they're certainly both very big guys like six foot three plus. Um, Osorio played with Wilker Angel at centre back um, last night. I think that is the pacier combination. Osorio is a mixture of of uh, height and pace. Uh, Angel. Uh, is you know quite a bit shorter than than Chancellor and, and Villanueva, but is in a good moment uh, with with Alcos in Ecuador. He's playing consistently, which he hasn't really done for the past two seasons prior to this year uh, in Europe, in Turkey, and before that in in Russia. Um, but Angel is a good national team defender. Um, it's you know the the lack of continu- uh, continuity at club level that's undone him the past couple of seasons. Uh, for tactical reasons, like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of Villanueva or Chancellor involved, but I, I would, I'd almost expect one of them to come on and probably Villanueva playing left back rather than like changing the back centre back partnership. Um, Villanueva can play centre uh, left back. Left back is probably our weakest point in the national team. Um, if I remember rightly, Luis Mago um, played there last night. Uh, again, somebody that can equally play centre-back. Uh, but I do think set-pieces in general is going to be something we'll try to capitalise on. Uh, our two best chances, as I alluded to earlier um, in the podcast with Roberto, came from uh, headed chances, mm-hmm. Yangel Herrera and, and Wilker Angel, the centre-back. Um, so they were our best chances of the game. And as I found out, uh, pro- uh, probed by your question last week, in the 10 games running into the World Cup qualifiers, Four of our goals, uh, four of our fifteen goals came from set pieces. Two came from the second phase after a set piece, um, and one came from a penalty. Uh, so I, I can see us going for those set pieces, and particularly secondarily to set pieces, particularly attacks coming down the right, uh, crossing in from the right. I noticed the pattern of that in the ten games of the warm up. So I think if if Savarino comes down the right again. Um, that's that's where I probably expect our, our goal threat to come from. Yeah, which is interesting. If We'll see if Paraguay make a change if Blas Riveros was left back last night, but he's maybe much more of an attacking option compared to Alderete or Alonso, who might end up playing in Maturin. Um, another question I had, and, and this is, I think, where I've seen a similarity with Paraguay. Obviously, Venezuela and Paraguay haven't been qualifying for the World Cup 
last night, I think Paraguay had either five or six of the starters also started that very first game back against Peru in the last round of World Cup qualifiers. So there's sometimes a feeling among fans that these people have failed and, and they're just kind of repeating the same formula. If you looked at the Venezuela team, there's some real legends in there like Tomas Rincon and, and Rondon and people. But is there a similar feeling of maybe they're not renovating the team as, as much as, as they would like? There's definitely a section of the, the, the fan base, the nation, if you like, that, that feel that way. Um, Rondon, obviously, is a legend of Venezuelan football. Their leading goal scorer almost always delivers in one way or another for the national team. But <clears throat> I think post, post-COVID, uh, and particularly in the past 12 months, with you know him falling out of favour entirely at, at Everton and sort of never recapturing his, his pre-China form at club level... Um, and now now at River Plate, we have multiple options that could replace him. And I think sort of the the feeling, and this ties into Thomas Lincoln as well, the sort of feeling is the World Cup is, is three and a half years away and they're going to be three and a half years older. Like, <clears throat> if we qualify for the World Cup, do we really want a 35-year-old Rondon playing up front with Thomas Lincoln at... 37, I think, will be by the time of the World Cup. You know, they're almost certainly not going to be starting at the World Cup if we were to qualify for any reason other than sort of sentimentality and 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 a reward for getting us there and a reward for what they've done for Venezuela for 10, 12 years in, in the national team. I saw <clears throat> those two being sort of targeted as as players to come out of, of the selection um, going into the World Cup qualifiers. I saw Rincon as the the easier one to change, although he's captain. We have other options and, and other good options in that midfield. And Rincon, um, coming off of a relegation season in, in Italy, again, has just gone into uh, Brazil. He's going to be with, well, he is already with Soteldo at Santos. But we have Yangel Herrera, who's been playing in a top five European league for like four seasons on the trot now. Christian Caceres, who's just signed for Toulouse in, in France. Uh, and then Brujo Martinez, who, although didn't have a great game last night, is an MLS All-Star player this year, has been the, the blueprint that head coaches in MLS want from a defensive midfielder. So we have other options that can replace Rondon. Replacing Rondon is a little bit tougher because uh, up until the very beginning of the season, Alejandro Marquez hadn't even tied down his allegiance to Venezuela um, over Spain. Obviously, he was never going to be a Spain senior national team player based on the past few years, but he was a Spain youth team player. Um, he's just gone to to Portugal from, from Juventus uh, to Estoril uh, and is scoring and is in good form. Similar biotype to Rondon, uh, maybe a bit more pace. He could replace him. Uh, Eric Ramirez and Danny Perez, who in recent um, years have been touted as replacements, are in in bad moments at club level. Danny Perez has just been sent out on loan from Club Bruges, having never really broken into the first team. Um, and Eric Ramirez's move around 12 to 18 months ago to Dynamo Kiev hasn't really amounted to anything. So Rondon's a bit safer than Rincon in, in, that, in that regard. But I do think it's something that has to happen. And maybe Copper America is almost sacrificed to blood in um, new talent at a competitive level. Uh, if we're still in with a, a chance of qualifying for the World Cup in the second half of qualification. 
So Jordan, I guess like closing it off here and just looking at like some history here, I'm going to give you right now, the record of between Paraguay and Venezuela away over there in Venezuela have been eight games, six wins for Paraguay, one loss and one draw. In total, that's 16 games, 12 wins, three losses and one draw. So obviously Venezuela come in with the obligation of, you know, with this expanded World Cup, really the obligation to get maximum points against the direct rivals in, in Paraguay and many other teams. So I guess to, to close it off, and I'll do a two-part question. First of all, if Venezuela are going to pick up the three points and get the win, how will it be done? And of course, you know, to finish it off here, uh, we always like to do predictions. What is ultimately your prediction for Tuesday's game? Uh, well, I'll start off with a prediction. Um, I do feel confident, um, but I do see Paraguay scoring. So I'm going to go 2-1 Venezuela. Um, in terms of how we're going to play and how we get our goals, um, as I alluded to with Ralph, I think we're strong down the right. Alexander Gonzalez had a very good game at right back last night. Um, and that's probably, it was probably a little bit of a surprise that he started because he's playing in Liga Football in Venezuela. Um, and we have, you sort of, we have right back options playing outside the country. Uh, Roberto Rosales, who, but his club situation has only like recently been resolved. John Aramburu, who's just had a, a good season, but in lower league Spanish football in the third division. Uh, both options. Uh, Aramburu played in the, the last set of friendlies and did well. Um, and then ahead of Alex, Alexand, uh, Alexander Gonzalez on the right, Saverino, uh, if he if he starts. We have options down the right and on the wings in general. Soteldo, Machis being the other two clear ones. But I think if, if Savarino and, and Alexander Gonzalez start again down the right, I can see um, that being probably the main area uh, for us to attack with balls, you know, either cut back to to on runners um, or lofted in for Salomon Brondon. Uh, and then, yeah, secondarily, I do think that seven pieces are, are going to be going to be a threat. And if Soteldo plays, uh, Soteldo can draw those draw those fouls in dangerous areas. Excellent stuff. So, of course, obviously, we're going to wait and see what happens on Tuesday. Best of luck, of course, to Jordan and, of course, to all the Paraguayan and Venezuela fans that are listening to close off this really great episode of Guadalajara Vision for myself, Roberto Rojas, Ralph Hanna, and Maria Britos. Thank you so much for listening to this preview episode of Venezuela ahead of the 2026 World Cup qualifiers. See you soon.